G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. We used to joke about if you asked Dad a question, he would answer it with a question. And, you know, he then put it back onto me to go hunt that down, you know, find that answer. And he would resource me, you know, point me in good directions. In fact, I remember him saying at different times, you know, God is big enough for your questions. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard Anna White Atkins share what it was like growing up with past guests, Malcolm and Suzanne White, as her parents. As we've heard, Malcolm was a pastor and Bible teacher, and Suzanne was a Christian counsellor. Anna shared about her life and some of her unique experiences growing up as a pastor's kid. Today we'll hear more of Anna's story and more about her relationship with her parents. Also, she'll tell us about the impact they've had on her life and her decision to go into ministry. Once again, she's chatting with Eric Scadabo from her home in Melbourne, and we'll pick up the conversation today with Anna discussing some of the conflicts she's had with her mother. Well, I, yeah, I think definitely mum, uh, mum was very strong-willed. My, I remember speaking to a youth pastor when I was uh, probably about 18 or 19, talking to him about like the challenges that I had with mum, and he made this comment. He said, well, you know, you and your mum are very alike and maybe that's that's why you clash and maybe that's why you and your dad get on so well because, you know, he obviously likes that personality because <laughs> oh, he chose yeah. it in your mum. Very insightful. And it was very insightful. And I remember being completely shocked because I thought there was mum and I are nothing alike. <laughs> but, but classic girl. But, um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've just realised so much more Um the journey that that mum has gone on, I've appreciated her a lot more, and you know, I've been able to forgive as well as you know, I, I pray and pray regularly, Lord, you know, in my parenting, there are going to be things that I do that will that won't be perfect and that will hurt my children, and I just pray that you would cover my parenting with grace, and that you know, as I do the best I can do, that you will fill in the gaps and uh, that you will lead my children and lead me to lead them. And I I think that's that's all we can really do, you know. Yeah. So yeah. even with the conflict, I knew I knew that my parents' faith was absolutely genuine and authentic. Mm. Yeah. And part of that meant, well, we aren't perfect. We we do all of us sin. We sin in our parenting, we sin in our being like as children towards our parents and all of us need grace. And so is that kind of how you resolve the conflicts with your parent, uh, eventually giving each other a little grace, I mean, with your mother? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I certainly, I, I remember when I was probably about 16 years old, I at that stage I was catching the train into school. I'd be on the train for about an hour to school there and back every day, and I started, I would read my Bible and pray on the train and um, in the mornings. And there was a period of time um, when I was in about year 11 when I just became really aware of the Holy Spirit 
kind of talking to me about character issues and and talking to me about anger and and my you know the way I would respond in particular to mum and really there was just this conviction from the Holy Spirit that I needed to take responsibility for my own actions mm. and grow up and stop blaming my mum for for everything and uh yeah so I certainly think there was there was real work of the of the Holy Spirit for me personally in that in that arena and you know it's it has been a process over the years even of me getting more uh, feisty sympathy and <laughs> oh, empathy oh, oh, sim- well oh, sim- yeah, sim- well, <laughs> yeah sympathy for mum as a mum you know I'm mm. a mum of four <laughs> yeah. um, you know with very strong-willed children and, and she's probably saying poetic justice <laughs> Uh, I well, she definitely has said that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, I think every generation has the opportunity to learn from the one before and yep. to give grace yeah. and and thanks. And uh, so I think that's that's where we're at. And when you were fifteen years old, you had a strong calling to ministry. Tell us about that. Mm. Yeah, um, I I it was around that time. I um, I think. I became very aware of the Holy Spirit just talking to me about the need for people to really understand the Word of God. Um, Yeah, it was no more specific other than it was like this growing sense over a period of time where I just knew that God was calling me to devote myself to ministry and to um, teaching the Word and to encouraging people Mm -hmm. to be really deliberate and wise and intentional in their faith. And there was certainly, I remember reading about the church in China at that time and reading because there was a lot of persecution in China, like early 90s, I think. And I'd read this article, I think the Bible Society had put out, and it was talking about how there was this real shortage of um, pastors in China that, you know, there were even instances of teenagers pastoring churches. I remember, like, coming down and, and saying, oh, I wish I, wish I was 15 because they're, like, I could be a pastor if I was 15. That's what they're doing in China. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was just this real passion in my heart, even though, like, I I'd seen, I'd seen what pastoral ministry was like. Um, there was still this love for the church because it belonged to Jesus and it was the, the body that he had chosen mm-hmm. um, through, through which he would bless the world. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's just where that, that passion really came from. Yeah, so you are a pastor now, a lead pastor. Yeah. Well, you are everything yeah. pastor at um, the church. Where you're well, at. yeah, I'm just a soul pastor. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the soul pastor. And did you know you wanted to be a pastor at that age? Well, yeah. I mean, I said I wanted to be a pastor. I think um, in in my my mind, it was really I just had such a passion for um, for the word and for helping people to really to really understand God's word and and to see how to put it into practice. Um, so it was a, a definite sense of calling to ministry, not necessarily clear whether that was to be a pastor of a church, although that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Well, I was going to say, did you have any role model? Because did you know any female pastors at that time? I did not. No, I, I didn't. And when you um, told your dad that you were looking into ministry and 
possibly being a pastor. How did he feel about that? Um, well, it wasn't like a sudden announcement. Um, I think I just had always, especially with my dad, like I would always talk about Jesus. I would always talk about theology. Um, he was always like when I was sort of mid teenager, he, I'd, I'd often come home from school and I'd, there'd be like a, a book sitting on my desk and just a, like a note from dad thought you might be interested. And, and I would like, I'd devour it. Oh, wow. So he was always nurturing your uh, yeah. intellect and your interest into theological things. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, I remember he, um, when he started teaching uh, at Tabor College, so he stepped out of pastoral ministry for a period of time and he just taught at a theological college. I used to regularly get these like post-it notes would just, appear like on my wall or on my desk like with something like Anna what does the Bible say about you know and and he'd just list some kind of theological question or topic and I was like yes and I'd get out my concordance because he'd given me a big concordance and I would look up every passage of scripture that that had to do with whatever it was. Wow he was always challenging you huh? Yeah, he really was. He, yeah. he really was. So, um, yeah, so I think he, he just really nurtured that. He nurtured mm-hmm. that love for the word. He he would just talk to me about all those things. I mean, he talked to me about cricket and about, you know, boys and about studies at school. We talked about everything. Um, mm-hmm. and But everything sort of came through the lens of how to live this full life through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely he, he really nurtured a thoughtful faith and uh, and a, a wise exploration and mm-hmm. and I think encouraged the passion that I had to to help other people understand Jesus like I, I, I was very passionate about apologetics and um, uh, like knowing what I believed understanding what other people believed and being able to to listen to sort of see where people would come, like we're coming from in questions of faith and, and be ready, you know, as it says in, in First Peter, you know, always be ready mm-hmm. to give an answer yeah. and, you know, to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. So that was like my guiding verse through my teenage years and dad really nurtured that in me. So he taught you that it was okay to question. Oh, man, he absolutely, he Definitely. From when I was very young, um, I think he he actually helped me frame questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> like questions were always good. Like it was it was a good thing to be able to ask questions, and and that didn't necessarily mean that he was going to be the person to answer them. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was actually more likely. Like we used to joke about if you asked Dad a question, he would answer it with a question, <laughs> and. So, you know, he he then put it back onto me to well, go go hunt that down, you yeah. know, find that answer. Yeah. Um, and he would resource me, you know, mm. point me in good directions. Um, but, in fact, I remember him saying at different times, you know, God is big enough for your questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, God's, God's never threatened by our questions. So yeah. if you've got a question, then that means there's an answer. So, you know go find it. And that was very empowering. Yeah. I mean, if God created the world and the universe, he can handle some questions. Yeah. I mean, from a finite human being. Absolutely. So bring it yeah, on. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. And and so I loved that. And that meant that I felt then, and I still do now, you know, 
we all have doubts. We all have questions about all sorts of different things. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to really honestly engage with that, I think, is important. And if you don't, you know, you're going to shortchange yourself and your faith and will have a very fragile faith, actually. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again Anna White-Atkins, who's the daughter of past guests Malcolm and Suzanne White. Anna's sharing about her life and some of her experiences growing up as a pastor's kid. It's great to hear how her parents nurtured her faith in various ways. Next, we'll find out about her decision to follow her parents' footsteps into ministry and about some of the challenges she faces as a female pastor. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Anna White Atkins sharing her life journey and we're finding out about the impact her parents had on her life, faith and ministry. Next, we'll hear why she decided to follow their footsteps into ministry as she continues her chat with Eric Scadabo. How did your dad feel about you wanting to be a pastor and kind of following his footsteps? Um, I think fine. You know, he, he's, he's always just been very encouraging of me, uh, honestly, you know, me being being female and a pastor was from dad, certainly from dad and mum's perspective, it was completely irrelevant. Um, he, he always encouraged me that God has created men and women equal and that mm-hmm. um, it's very clear in the New Testament that Jesus calls women as well as men, that there were women in leadership all through the early church. So that was just, he was always really like a mentor to me. Um, and I I never had any doubts in my mind as to whether or not God could call me just because I happened to be female. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I like, was in churches that he wasn't a pastor at, that's when I really started experiencing misogyny wrapped up in theological talk. And it's been pretty difficult in some places. Um, so, uh, I mean, I some of the challenges. I mean, a few little funny stories. So, you know, I, I after I got married to my um, amazing husband, Dave. Um, Dave the drummer, we should say. Dave the, <laughs> Dave the drummer, that's how I met him. <laughs> um, he, he was playing at a massive conference and uh, back when we were 15, and I saw him up on stage. I'm like, oh, my goodness, look at the drummer. He's so cute. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how we met Dave the drummer. He's so much more, but um, strong man and completely uh, supportive of me being a strong woman. And uh, anyway, so we moved back to Melbourne a year after we got married so that I could study down here, which was all great. And then about a year and a bit after that, I actually fell pregnant um, mm. with our first child and uh so that was a bit of a oh my goodness how am i going to do this like having a baby and i you know oh no god 
has oh, called yeah. me to ministry and I'm here. And and I felt really guilty. I felt like really? I had, How yeah, so? I'd let God down. Well, because God had called me to ministry and now here I am pregnant. How am I going to do it? And But, um, yeah, so it was interesting. I think that that's a, a reality maybe that as a, a woman, um, you know, there's lots of young married men who go into ministry and, you know, they've got young families and the question of, oh, I've got young babies doesn't even enter their mind as as a, is this going to make it more difficult for me, right? It's just not even a thought. Mm. But for me as a woman, um, it was like it, it impacts. It impacts on your time. It impacts on, oh, um, yeah. your, you know, my ability to finish my study. Um, you know, Dave then oh Dave and I like you know both of us wanted to have our kids sort of close together although we managed to do that a lot <laughs> even closer than we probably expected because we ended up having four kids in three years I oh, had wow. twins in there yeah so I I kind of was suddenly in the baby making um and you know mothering space when I was quite young and when I was expect like I'd been planning you know I'm studying i'm heading down this path god's called me and suddenly i'm here and it was really hard yeah you know dave and i were part of a, a fairly large church in in melbourne and dave ended up going on staff as a creative arts pastor mm-hmm. and uh, i i remember this classic experience so i ended up being invited to be on a um like a, a preaching team and i actually remember some of your teaching at that church because that's where we were attending at the time and was greatly blessed you, by your yeah. teaching. Yes. Oh, uh, thanks. Good. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So I was on that on that team and and but you know I, I was given opportunities. I ended up on staff there and I remember uh, we had a, a new uh, senior pastor and uh, I said to him, you know, you know, and I know that my a key part of my calling is is to preach and to teach and to be able to to develop that. And, um, you know, his response was, absolutely, I, I know that you have this gift and you've probably got, you know, one of the strongest teaching gifts um, at the church, but I just don't think the church is really ready for that yet. But would you be able to help these other pastors, like male pastors, can you help them with their sermons? Oh. And... Yeah, and so I'm like, sure, because I mean, I wanted I wanted to serve God's people. I wanted to serve them to make sure that the things that were being taught were were true and good. But I remember on one, oh, you know, one time, you know, a guy, a colleague, um, he'd done less theological training than me. He was preaching a sermon, and in it, he he was wanting to talk. About in some ways, about the doctrine of the Trinity. And he said, Anna, can you come and help me? And we were talking and he turned to his computer and he literally just started typing what I was saying. And when he got up to preach, he just preached the words I said. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is not okay. You know, it's not okay Mm. that for some reason, because I have a female body, I'm not allowed on the stage, but my words can be plagiarized. Um, And if you were in China and 15 years old, it'd be fine. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But the good news is you are now a pastor (laughs) and you have your own congregation, St. David's. Yeah. And how is that going? 
Well, it's a challenge at the moment. Um, you know, like church, church is, is a beautiful mystery, isn't it? Like God calls people together who, if not for Jesus, we wouldn't know one another. And, um, yeah, so so I've been there for nearly 10 years. We've had lows, we've had highs, we've had in-betweens. But are you feeling fulfilled in using your gifts of preaching like you've always wanted to? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Um I I certainly I certainly do a lot of preaching and yeah, I I do feel uh, fulfilled in that. Um there is certainly a lot of other areas of you know ministry and work when you're sort of a soul pastor in a in a church that is different say if you're in a larger church when there's um lots more people involved so sometimes you know part of the experience certainly both just as a, a sole pastor but also i think it's it's probably exacerbated being female it can be very lonely mm. uh, it can be a very lonely experience um so yeah that's that's the challenge um the blessing is you know the opportunity to be able to uh, sit with people who are just starting to encounter Jesus or just starting to ask questions about faith and mm -hmm. like I'm I'm just finding that amazing and probably even more so than just like the preaching and teaching I, I probably over the last 10 years um, I've found that one-on-one -on -one or small group kind of work has been incredibly fulfilling as well. Now to kind of bring our conversation full circle and to kind of wrap up our talk how do you think yeah. your parents, Malcolm and Suzanne, how do you think they feel about what you're doing and fulfilling your dream of being a teacher of God's word? They are, um, they're really supportive. And um, yeah, I think we, we share, we share something in common now in a different way. So certainly, yeah, there's a, Dad, Dad would be the person definitely that he's my, my go-to with challenges or questions or, you know, the heartache of ministry or things like that. He's the one that I, I still go to and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for wisdom and he's very supportive and encouraging. Um, yeah, I think, I think they're, they're proud of me for what I'm doing, but I also know they, they would be very encouraging of me in pretty much whatever I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's just the kind of parents they've been for you. Yeah, I think that's right. Anna White Atkins, thank you so much for sharing your story and giving us insights <laughs> into your parents' lives as well. Thank you so much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Anna White Atkins, who's the pastor of St. David's Church in Parkdale, right on the bay in Melbourne. Also, her husband David is a council member of that church. It was great to hear her journey from being a young, precocious pastor's kid to being a pastor herself today. Also, it was great to hear how her parents nurtured her faith and unique skill set over the years, and in particular, her father. You know, men aren't usually known for being nurturers. We're more often thought of as protectors and providers. But the Bible tells us numerous times about how our Heavenly Father nurtures us. For example, God makes us lie down in green pastures and restores our soul. Also, in Ephesians, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but nourish them in the instruction and admission of the Lord. 
And as we heard today, that's exactly what Anna's father, Malcolm, did, nurturing her in spiritual growth. A good example for all of us fathers to emulate. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Pastor Anna White Atkins' story and some insights into her relationship with her parents. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When you're living through it, you're just getting through each day, one day at a time. You're not really seeing the bigger picture. You're concentrating on getting through. So initially, we didn't know that Samuel had Down syndrome before he was born, so it was a shock. And we never regretted the fact that we hadn't known. Journalist Morag Swartz has written a book about her son called Being Sam. She describes it as a memoir of his life and death. Sam was born with Down syndrome in 1994 and a few years later was diagnosed with leukaemia. We'll find out how God helped her along a difficult journey next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 